This is Midnight Alchemy with your host Jason Allen on the Left Coast Media Network. And now here's Jason. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever and whenever you are. This is Midnight Alchemy and I am the dude on the mic, Jason. Hello there, it is great to be back for another episode. And man, we've got an exciting episode for you. We've got the pop culture professor, Dr. Rebecca Housel. And folks, she is awesome. Uh, I've interviewed her numerous times, and this is going to be a fun one. All right. And for the first time ever, first time ever, we're going to dip into the paranormal mailbag. That's right. We are going to uh, read some uh, emails from our listeners, and hopefully I won't sound like a blithering idiot in answering them. And uh, so, hey, uh, at the beginning here, uh, I've got an idea. You know how on the intro there's that AI voice that comes in, yo, Jason, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I suddenly realized that I've never named him, right? It's just some AI voice. So we're going to have a little AI intro naming contest here, okay? Uh, so if you want to do the name of the AI intro, all you got to do is send an email at midnightalchemyshow at gmail.com. Again, midnightalchemyshow at gmail.com. And if you win... I will give you a 1973 Buick. I'm just kidding. No, you'll have the uh, forever admiration of the bald guy. So anyway, uh, send in those AI names and uh, we'll do it real soon. I'm going to give it like a month. So anyway, hey, here's Dr. Rebecca Housel as we delve in to the paranormal. All right, we are here with Dr. Rebecca Housel, the pop culture professor. Dr. Rebecca, how you doing? Hey, Jason. Thanks so much for having me on. I always appreciate you thinking of me and remembering. I loved all the things you've done in the last few years, so I'm happy to be here with your new podcast. Excellent, yeah. Uh, I When I first started, I knew that I had to get you for an episode because uh, no no podcast or anything that I do <laughs> is you know complete without the pop culture professor. Well, uh, I miss you guys out in Portland. I tell you that you are some of the be- my best like supporters yeah. ever. So I appreciate it. Excellent. Hey, um, let's kick it off uh, by uh, you know why is the belief in like the paranormal so like baked into our consciousness? This is a great question, Jason, and I appreciate you asking it, because this is stuff I would talk about at Comic-Con during that whole Wizard World tour. Um, Essentially, the paranormal starts with religious things like deities way back 15,000 years ago. The Vedas were talking about Kali and, uh, you know, Kali is a mother goddess who is also you know, can be quite fierce. And and that's where vampires begin right there. She sucks the blood out of demons. And, and that's, that's one of the big Kali uh, stories. And then is in such a bloodlust herself from drinking all this demon blood that she doesn't even recognize her own husband, her consort, Mm -hmm. and, and ends up, you know, basically knocking him down, dancing on top of him not even realizing who he is so that's yeah. that's the first vampire right there and and then lilith is a variation of kali 
and we go on from there, you know, and then yeah. from there, the sexism continues and witches and <laughs> women yeah. and be, are all witches, right? Right. All right. of us are Lilith and Kali, so. Right. Uh, is it, do, maybe would that also include like the succubus in that? Well, that's, that's, that's exactly the root of that succubus. Yeah, yeah. that's the origins of it. Kali is portrayed as this goddess with many arms and she wears a necklace of men's heads. <laughs> um, you know, and skulls yeah. and stuff. So, you know, she's got swords and she's quite fierce and yeah. sharp pointy teeth. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's probably where it starts. <laughs> if, if my wife comes down the stairs wearing a necklace of uh skulls, I want to tell you right now and get it on record that I am running. I'm just, that's probably just... a good thing. I, I think that's <laughs> a psychologically sound decision, Jason. <laughs> I hardly approve. It's a good idea. Excellent. Especially if there happens to be a machete in one or both of her hands. You know? Ah, time to give, go. Don't give her ideas. <laughs> you know? um, hey, uh, where does the sci-fi, where does it meet the paranormal? Uh, uh, where, you know, as, as far as sci-fi within like the movies and uh, everything, where where does it meet? Well, I like this question, too, because, again, we go back to if you look at some of the early like films, uh, horror films, you, you see who who is it? It's it's Nosferatu, 1922. Yeah. It's Nosferatu. It's vampires. That's Kali energy again. Mm -hmm. And we keep seeing this idea of these magical human like creatures. Well, you know, you just go one little step further, apply a context of space and. And yeah. then you have, you know, aliens. <laughs> uh, so it's really just another form of, of supernatural. To me, it's all yeah. connected. Yeah. Sci-fi, fantasy, the supernatural, the, the paranormal. Yeah. I mean, you see that as far in like the mythologies. I mean, J.R.R. Tolkien, right? Where uh, mm -hmm. he's a, a really... Uh, he even, I mean, he even figured out a whole elven language, for God's sakes. Uh, oh, he was quite quite a genius there. He and C.S. Lewis had their had their Inklings Club, and uh, yeah, that was that's pretty remarkable stuff. And and he did similar to George R. R. Martin, who kind of based his Game of Thrones and House of Dragon on history. Tolkien did something similar but in such a creative way and I think that the Lord of the Rings ended up being multiple books but only because the publisher said to Tolkien hey you got to break this up it's too big yeah um I've often uh told people when they want to try to figure out why the paranormal is is you know so baked in to our uh, collective consciousness uh, I, I set me straight if I have this wrong, but I always referred them uh, tangentially to the late great Joseph Campbell, how the mythology and how it, everything you know the zeitgeist uh, come comes into uh, the history of all of these uh, areas of paranormal. Yeah, and that's a great um, bring in Joseph Campbell. We love Joseph Campbell, but Joseph right. Campbell built a lot of his work around Carl Jung, 
mm. Carl Jung's work of the collective unconscious and yeah. Time magazine called it the God gene in 2006. But oh. Carl Jung wasn't the originator of it, actually, his student and lover. Anyway, uh, you didn't hear it here. Uh, Sabina Spielrein, who was the mother of psychoanalysis and child development psychology um, in Russia. She was the first the first like psychology clinic in Russia. Yeah. And uh, and she really was the the brains behind that whole collective unconscious energy of like looking at symbols from different cultures and noticing that despite time, space, despite geography, despite theology, these these cultures around the world all had similar symbols, like a swirl, for example, mm -hmm. uh, or like a you know like a mountain, and there was meanings that were very similar. Uh, it, it was it did not matter if it they, what language they spoke or if they were in the same continent, they all had the same meaning. Why? And that's the God gene. That's something that tells us there's something bigger outside of ourselves. And there are these symbols that seem to exist in, in human consciousness. We're not quite sure why, but it's yeah. pretty interesting. Excellent. Hey, um, why, why is, uh, as far as what we built up in just the culture and, and pop culture of ourselves, uh, why are we so enamored of like Bigfoot and other cryptids? I mean, is it because uh we can conceive that they are close to humanity like you know bigfoot is like an offshoot or you know the cryptids have been some yeah uh, scientific experiment i i mean i don't know but uh, well, i think it's missing the missing link you know it's that sort of idea that there's still a mystery and left in this world um yeah. and that somehow there's something bigger than ourselves it goes back to that god gene you know there has to be something more than just us and the natural world right how could it just be us right. because humans are extremely selfish and self-centered and you know we've we've nearly destroyed the planet a number of times here and yeah. uh most recently four years ago you know so uh, right. millions, yes. millions of people died because of a laboratory accident that yeah. that's like not okay right uh, that, that's talk about gross negligence and and then and then these pharmaceutical companies made billions of dollars on cures that weren't cures at all yeah. so it's just you know i don't know how how we're still here to be honest with you but yeah. we are so yeah, it, it, yeah. it's it, it's always weird that we're always on the precipice of like extinction. We're always doing crap that should lead to our, you know, our demise, but somehow uh, we just kind of stumble through, you know, uh, adaptability and humans are kind of like cockroaches in that way. Right. Um, <laughs> crawling out from all the crevices after, after disaster. Oh, we're still here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, th thanks for calling me a cockroach doc. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. I'm not calling you a cockroach, but <laughs> our, our species certainly, yeah. if you go up in an airplane and you look down from there, like as you, you know, kind of start to descend, and you can see how humans have like totally changed the surface of the planet, just so entitled in how we approach everything. So naturally that ego is huge. And the idea for human beings that there has to just be something else, because again, going back to the God gene, there has to be something bigger. We're programmed for that psychologically speaking. So 
that's mm-hmm. pretty much where it's at. I've always uh, thought, I know I'm going way off in the left field. Where does like the ego of, you know, man always thinks we're the top of the totem pole. We're, we're, we are the, you know, uh, just the height of, of like, uh, the food chain how do we like meld that sort of belief in something bigger than us while us telling ourselves that we are the bent be all and end all of everything well you've heard of fake it till you make it right (laughs) (laughs) right pretty much what humans do they're like i want to be a god i'm going to reshape the earth meanwhile all we can really do is scratch the surface quite literally And the universe has many mysteries uh, left for us to discover, but frankly, we're too busy trying to, you know, take over the country next door to pool our energies and focus on, you know, sort of Star Trek energy and head up into the universe. We have to work collectively together to make all that happen. And I think people ultimately are just looking for escapism. If we want to really get down to the nitty gritty, that's what all of this is. It's escapism. It's that humans could be something bigger or better than they actually are. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to switch tactics here now because uh, I, I believe I probably asked you this question on other shows, <clears throat> but I've got to know like vampires, right? Like Nosferatu, you know, the Bram Stoker, the, you know, the big bad vampire. When did it turn into twinkly vampires in Twilight? How did we get from point A to point B? Um, Anne Rice, actually, is is how that happened. And uh, Anne Rice from New Orleans, of course, one of the the most haunted city and one of the oldest, the French Quarter is at least the oldest city in America. It's also cool to note that by 1805, I believe, the city's population was half African-American, half Black, and um, most of those individuals were free. Then that's because the 19th Amendment, the, why is that's remarkable and for the history of people out there, is yeah. that uh, 1863 or 1870 was when uh, the right to vote came in for black men, not women. Yeah. No, no women could vote until 1920 and then all women could vote. So it wasn't just, you know, it, that had no race didn't wasn't a factor in 1920. Right. Um, but th- that uh, that's so New Orleans is pretty unique and steeped in history and culture and and Anne Rice living there amidst the cemeteries, although there are those above ground mausoleums. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lafayette Cemetery, number one, is one of the most filmed cemeteries in America. And now it's close to the public as a result of all the damage that film crews have done to it. The originals is one of the, like my very favorite TV shows, of course, and of all time. And that comes from the Vampire Diaries. L. Jane Smith precedes Stephanie Meyer by a good, sorry about that. I don't know if you heard that. I hope that didn't interrupt that I have someone no, calling no. in. Yeah. Um, yeah, preceded Stephanie Meyer by a good 14 years. But prior to L. Jane Smith's Vampire Diaries, you had Anne Rice's interview with a vampire. Yeah. And it wasn't until that kind of became a film with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt that we really saw the uptick of the Byronic vampire. And that's what you're referring to with the sparkly vampires. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my nails, they're sparkling right now, but I don't think our vampire yeah. should sparkle. Nail polish, yes. 
vampires no no yeah um why do uh i know you don't have much time left so i'm i'm gonna do the lightning round here uh why do a conspiracy theory because you know the last i'd say up to 10 years maybe there's been such a huge uptick of conspiracy theories and the belief in conspiracy theories why do you think they take hold in our minds well, uh, they take hold in our minds. I'm going to go back to an answer from James Marsters. Yes, that same one yeah. from Buffy. Spike, everybody. <laughs> I worked with him for years, and someone asked him the same question, so it's very interesting. And his answer was brilliant, and I'm going to use the same one because it really is the truth. Conspiracy theories stick because conspiracies have been real in the past. And we literally just lived through something similar four years ago. Oh, how did this virus begin? I don't know. Oh, it's this. No, it can't be a lab in China. Nobody wants to make China mad, but obviously that's what happened. And and then I think about a year and a half in, there was a big, a big article published by these researchers uh, from some of them, at least were from UK. And, and it was, it was like, Duh, you know, that, that's, uh, people are always trying to hide the truth because ultimately uh, there's a lot of narcissism in our culture and narcissists are pathological liars. They have, it's a personality disorder. It's a, something from the cluster B category in the DSM, DSM-5. And that is where all the social destroyers live. So, you know, conspiracy theories exist as, as a way to again, create escapism to distract the public, but also because conspiracies, there is some truth in it. There's always a nugget of truth in every lie. That's what makes them so believable. And then when you keep saying it over and over again, people will really, really believe it as we saw during the Trump era. Yeah. You know, if you say if you say something seven to eight times, it becomes questionable and it becomes maybe something that could be true. This is actually, again, psych psychology studies it goes back to Elizabeth Loftus's work on something called constructive memory, where depending on tone, how somebody looks when they're talking to you, how many times they say it, connected to that sense of gaslighting, where innocent people who are accused of crimes in, in Loftus's work actually at some point believe that they, that they committed a crime, even though it's physically impossible for them to have done that. Right. And so, so this is what conspiracy theories do. They provide the public, the masses, this, this kind of kernel of truth in there that can get everybody all upset, can get Twitter, I mean X, I'm sorry, <laughs> can get all social media a, a Twitter. Uh, he really made a mistake there naming it X. I think Twitter was just, it had such a good hold. I don't know why. Elon Musk felt the need to do that. But anyway, speaking of conspiracy theories. <laughs> right, right. Bringing um, it back home for you. <laughs> right, yeah. We'll we'll do a whole show on that. Um Ooh. last last question. Now we've had, you know, the vampires were a big thing. We, you know, the zombies have been a big thing. Um can you is it comfortable to predict maybe what the uh, next big thing could be? So a few years ago, I remember we talked about this, and at that time, there was a young uh, 
writer named Amanda Hawking who had sold like an inordinate number of self-published copies of a book about trolls. And then she got this great contract uh, and became basically a millionaire overnight. Um, and in the meantime, you probably don't know her name, do you? No. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but you still know Stephanie Myers. So even though we love things like trolls and fairies, the Winx series saga, rather the Winx saga is great. Mm -hmm. uh, there, that's, uh, that's also now been adapted to a show on Netflix. I think we're waiting for a second season. Mm -hmm. at any rate you we love all of these magical mystical creatures but nothing sticks or stays like the human looking ones because again humans have a huge ego <laughs> so you know the lycanthropes will you know werewolves uh anything that has to do remotely with human beings being something more powerful than they actually are right. that's why superheroes had such a great run uh but honestly disney kind of kept beating that dead horse until now i'm like geez <laughs> right. i don't even want to see that and i'm the biggest fan there is uh i, I knew stan lee himself stan the man right. so i love his i love his work mm -hmm. and i love comic books but i really don't want to see it in anymore you know it's just it's a way overdone right right uh dr rebecca thank you so much for coming on uh you are always a fount of knowledge and I, I love talking to you. I'm sure the listeners here are going to love hearing you. Hopefully, hopefully somewhere down the line again, uh, we can talk a little bit more. But I know that you do. You have a busy, busy, busy schedule. And I thank you for taking uh, the time to uh, really uh, talk with little old me. Oh, Jason, you're not little old me. You're your OG crew. <laughs> You're one of the original yeah. gangsters. We hung out at Wizard yeah. World Portland and yep. just, you know, had tons of, you know, Grant Wilson came on one yeah. of your shows with me. And like, yeah. we just had a ton of great like times. You you are always, you're in my circle here. You're in my inner circle. You're, I'm gonna, it's like a Robert De Niro moment. <laughs> <laughs> Meet the parents. Uh-oh, it's the circle of trust. Right, um, but right. Honestly, I appreciate you seeking me out. I, I'm not, you know, I'm no longer obviously doing Comic-Con. That was not happening uh, for a while. So I moved on to another career. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, it's how you look at it. It's kind of a, a bit overwhelming at the moment in terms of volume. Yeah. But that's a positive thing. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Jason. I will talk with you guys hopefully in the future. And thanks to all your listeners. I appreciate you guys. You guys can find me on RebeccaHousel.com if you want to. And also I have a, a, uh, a um, oh my gosh, sorry, guys. I just <laughs> had a brain blip because I have a client coming on and they just dropped down. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find my, my column on psychology today called Survive Anything. You're welcome to check that out anytime. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jason. Bye-bye. Bye. That was an awesome interview. I love talking to her. Hopefully we can get her on the show again very, very soon. I know she's a busy, busy lady, the pop culture professor. We got to get her back on. All right, folks, it's that time for the initial, the inauguratory, whatever that word is. You can remind me on an email uh, for 
mailbag news listener mailbag news awesome all right folks we're gonna get right into it this is from john from salem oregon he writes hey jason you talk a little bit about your background could you tell me a little more about yourself well all right well i live here outside of portland oregon in the friendly confines of forest grove oregon i have a wife two kids two dogs and two cats you get the number two there there's a theme and i do my this podcast uh, i got a couple more that are going to be coming out very very soon stay tuned for that but really that's the life of the bald guy on the microphone all right tim from bellevue washington writes in he says jason awesome show love it uh when did you start to believe in the paranormal Good question. Hey, uh, when I was growing up, of course, we always had the Bigfoot stories and stuff. And of course, you get inundated by, you know, aliens and things of that nature. What really got me into it, though, was um, a gentleman by the name of Art Bell. He uh, had a radio show here uh, for years and years. In fact, a little uh, side note, he was the third largest uh, radio personality in the U.S., okay? Number one, you had Rush Limbaugh. Number two, you had Howard Stern. And number three, you had Art Bell. And he would do the overnight shift. He Out here in Oregon, he would start from like 10 a.m. or 10, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And I, I uh, listened to him. I really got into the uh, paranormal through that. I, I thought it was, you know good stuff and so uh fast forward here several years uh in a galaxy far far away uh when i decided i wanted to get into radio right i you know i i didn't know jack so i i really looked around for a couple of people that could give me advice on how to do it and so uh one of them was the late great art bell uh he he was a great guy. I mean, a really nice guy. Um, and he gave a lot of great advice uh, on, on how to do this. And so years later, when I decided I want to do a podcast on the paranormal, uh, oftentimes I have the voice of Art Bell in the back of my head about what to do that, you know, especially the, hey, Jason, we quit stammering. So, uh, uh that's a little bit about when I first started to get into the paranormal. All right. Third one comes from Sarah from New York City, New York. Hello, East Coast. Uh, Jason, awesome show. Uh, I listen to as many as possible. And here's my question. Do you really get as much Bigfoot sightings out there in the Northwest? And the answer to that is yes. Uh, we get hundreds, if not, you know, low thousands of Bigfoot sightings here in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, the Northwest every year. Uh, so, yeah, we get tons of sightings, uh, some of which have been corroborated. Now, you got to realize that Oregon, Washington and Idaho is, you know, a lot of forest. Okay. We're talking thousands, if not millions of acres of, of 
forested and very little of that has been explored by humans right i mean we have these campgrounds we have the trails and we even have logging roads and so forth but that only goes in you know to the tip of the iceberg of forested areas there is uh tons of acres that have little to no human uh contact in so i mean wouldn't that make sense that if there was a bigfoot and that's where they would hang out you know they would probably want to stay as uh, away from humans as much as possible so the uh the roundabout answer to that is yes we have as many sightings as you probably believe and probably many more so there you go sarah from new york new york the big apple all right we come to the uh fourth one david from forest grove oregon wow that sounds familiar david from forest grove oregon he says hey dude have you ever been probed by aliens? And I'm taking probably what he means by probed as anally probed by aliens. Uh, the quick answer to that is no, uh, not even in college, I don't believe. Uh, I, you know, when I used to get uh, whiffed quite a lot. So I don't, I don't believe I've ever been anally probed by aliens. Although who knows, I'm only 53, so you never know. Maybe, maybe sometime I'll get sucked up into a ship and probed anally. If if I do that, Dave, you're the first person that's going to know about it. All right, number five, the last one I'm going to pluck from here is from a Astrid Morning Glory from Bakersfield, California. She says, "Hello, Jason. I've been listening and I really like your episodes. And here is my question." As a practicing witch and pagan, do you believe in magic? And then she goes on to say, stay blessed. Uh, Astrid, great, great question. Do I believe in magic? And the answer to that is yes, I do. Uh, as it comes down through history, we have, uh, I mean, as long as humans have been alive, right, there has always been uh, some sort of history of magic. And so I, you, I got to believe you can't go that long through human existence without uh, having a kernel of truth to that. I mean, we have the pagans, we have uh, now, you know, we have uh, Wiccans. And so, yeah, I, I do believe that there is magic here in the world and the universe. Uh, so there, that is the uh, listener mailbag here. All right, folks, it is time to get moving about wrapping this thing up. Uh, I've been not uh, live streaming yet because I, I was on the precipice, the edge of a cold, and I wanted to uh, make sure that uh, I did not sound like this when I got on the microphone. Anyway, uh, so I promise you I will be doing some live streaming. It's probably going to be coming at the end of next week. So stay tuned for that. Go on to the Facebook page. First of all, like it and follow it. But uh, stay tuned for that because I will be giving the exact time, date and time uh, for the live streaming. So that is coming very, uh, very soon. And on top of that, we're going to do some live audio radio type shows. As you all know, I come from a radio background. And so I'm much, much comfortable yakking in a radio sort of format rather than looking into a camera here and kind of stammering and ah, I'll try not to do too many ahs. Anyway, we'll do some live shows again. Get on the Facebook page. Uh, you'll know the date and time. So stay tuned. Okay. Uh, our voicemail 
if you want to leave a little voicemail in the future here coming up, I will be recording them and putting them on air for you to listen to. Uh, they are highly entertaining and I'll have to delete all the ones with sort of, Hey dude, profanity, 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 aliens. Anyway, we'll do that. Uh, voicemail is 971-205-2464. Again, 971-205-2464. And you can always email us at midnightalchemyshow at gmail.com. Midnightalchemyshow at gmail.com. All right, folks, that's all we have for you today. We will be back next week with another episode of Midnight Alchemy. Until then, folks, this is Jason and the AI overlord that does the intro. I will talk to you again. Remember, be kind to each other and be kind. Just be kind, okay? Don't be a douchebag. Anyway, hasta la vista, arrivederci. Newsbox is a full-service streaming media company that brings you awesome shows like Coffee with Curmudgeons, The Portland Conversations, and Turning Left. Not only does Newsbox bring the entertainment, but they can also help with all your podcast needs. Ever thought that you wanted to do your own podcast? Well, Newsbox can help with that. We can help with content, presentation, and even a streaming media platform that can get your podcast a worldwide audience. You can reach them at www.newsbox.com or visit them on their Facebook page, Newsbox. Live outside the box.